0: Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Kelligeris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. And today we have one of my favorite guests on, one of our instructors extraordinaire, Diane Pearson. Hi, Diane. Hey, Rebecca, how are you today? I am outstanding. So you and I, we get together and chat every now and then. And one of the things that you brought up to me, and I can't stop thinking about, is a concept called sinovation.
1: I love sinovation as a term. This is something that, well, I think I made up. So, <laughs> anybody else who's using it out there? But sinovation is is innovation gone wrong. Sinovation is that rationalization that some companies make when they're actually doing something that's good for them that they're pretending is good for their markets. Got any good examples? Oh boy, you know, the the first one is what I, I think we all call the towel trick. If you stay in hotels at all, you know, over the past several years, you've noticed that there's a little sign in your bathroom that says, hey, you know, we want to help the environment. And so in order to help the environment, please use your towels for three days. We won't replace your towels unless they're on the floor. If you leave them on the rack, we'll just let you use them until they're pretty much gray and falling apart. (laughs) You know, and and we all know why the hotels did this. It's a good idea, and and frankly, I I reuse my towels. I don't need a new towel every day. That might be too much information for your listeners, but (laughs) I, I don't like the idea of them pretending this is all about the environment, particularly when this was first implemented it wasn't. I mean, Maybe a little bit more these days when, when organizations are trying to illustrate that they've got a commitment to the environment or, or different social causes that they believe in. But, but when this was first put out, it was all about, hey, you know what, we can save a lot of money if we just don't change these towels every day. Uh, they started doing it with sheets and and uh, the what I used to call the the bathroom condiments, the shampoo and conditioner and things. I, there are so many of those innovations in the hotel industry, but but the towel trick was the first and most classic one that I think everybody can can remember and relate to.
0: That makes lot of sense, and I think companies do it. Um today in all kinds of ways, right? And then, then they believe it. I think one of the biggest fears about innovation as you started knowing that this was um, either a limitation in your offering or uh, a way for you to cut money, and you and you knew that and you put them a marketing spin on it, but you let that go for a little bit and then people believe that, right? Like some of the people in the company buy that as truth and then it's even harder to break because like you don't remember sort of the genesis of how that even came about. You know, the towel trick,
1: this is where you're you're cloaking your innovation in a higher goal, where where you're pretending to be doing something good for the common good when you're in fact just doing something that's saving you money. And and that one to me, that one's that one's perhaps the nastiest. But there are a couple others that that I find are patterns as well.
0: So let's talk a little bit about some of the patterns you see in innovation.
1: Well, if if the towel trick is number one, and the towel trick is all about cloaking your money-saving ideas in in a higher goal. Then then a second one is the quote unquote convenience of the hidden fee. And saying, you know, for your convenience, and I hate to pick on hotels, but this is another one that we've seen in hotels, is we're going to add a resort fee to your room fee. And that's gonna be for good things like, you know, the privilege of using the, the towels out by the pool instead of the towels in your room or the newspaper or maybe just the fact that there is, you know, some nice grounds for you to walk around on, but whatever it is, it's banks are doing this, you know, for, for your convenience, we're adding the uh, the monthly monthly account fee to your, you know, balance, or we're, we're going to uh, subtract this from your refund. This is something that retailers do. Restocking fees are conveniently taken. (laughs) And, you know, all of those things, again, it's, it's bringing out something you're pretending this is for my convenience, but of course it's not particularly when it's about paying extra fees. This is absolutely not for my convenience. And, and that innovation in that particular case. Again, it's just rubbing your customers the wrong way. Anytime you're saying for your convenience, we've added a fee. Well, no, you've added that for your convenience and not for mine. And certainly shouldn't be bringing that to my attention in that way. It, it's just what I, what I think of again, as another sinovation And,
0: airlines, right? With the your ability to easily upgrade to a seat that's actually not any better, <laughs> right? It's like, I, I used to just be able to get that seat. So like, I don't find it innovative that now I have to pay for it. Now I have to pay for it. And
1: you know, it's interesting, Rebecca, we're going to come back to that one as one of the ways you can make, you can turn this into a benefit because people, unlike us who haven't been traveling that that much for years and years, they are actually seeing this as a benefit. So we'll come back to that. When we, we see that as pure innovation, the airlines are finding ways to, to mitigate that. And so we'll come back to that and see what you think when, when we talk about it later. But the, the, the third one, and, and this is one of those that I see very often in all B2B businesses, especially larger ones where their growth has slowed. You know, we talk about in our classes, uh, particularly the, um, uh, the market and the launch classes, the product category life cycle and how wherever your product is in, in its own personal trajectory of growth, the category itself, when it begins to slow, we frequently see businesses that are faced with 2%, 1%, know, maybe 3% growth in a year. And, and I've heard this more than once from an executive team where they said, well, you know, we've, we've got to get 3% growth. And so we've got to justify that growth to our customers. And so we're going to add these features to do that. And I, I just shake my head because that's that's another example of synnovation. It's reverse engineering your need for growth by munging together some features your customers may or may not want in order to justify a price increase.
0: Ah, So it's 10% more, but don't worry because now it comes with imaginary unicorn dust and uh, yes, yes,
1: unicorn dust. <laughs> right,
0: Which is what I was hoping would be in my software. So I'm pretty excited.
1: What I needed was, you know, the fact that you've expanded this drop-down menu to 15 different things, and now you're charging more for that. Right. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's not really for the customer or for the market. And I think any time we're doing something that's an imperative for our own business and we're cloaking it for whatever one of these reasons or a different reason, we're cloaking this as for their convenience or for their benefit. It, it always backfires on us. I mean, they always see through it. It does not create warm and fuzzy feelings with our customers or our, our potential customers. So it's it's not only synnovation. Maybe it's even just stupidvation. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not fooling anybody. So I, I think that getting past synnovation is is a good goal to have as an organization, just just stop it. Just stop it.
0: So is the is the real danger in innovation? Is it that sort of market reaction the the fact that it reads is disingenuous and causes market angst? Yes,
1: I think that this is one of the biggest reasons. And you know that market angst can be anything from I, I just think you're being kind of cheesy to. If I have the opportunity, I'm going to choose someone else. Mm. And I may or may not have that opportunity at the moment. But if if what you're doing strikes me as being synnovation, it, it strikes me as being something you're pretending is for me when it's really for you, you're eroding my trust. And as you erode my trust, it is going to come from, you know, anything here is going to happen between my just not being very happy with dealing with you anymore to my actively looking for a replacement. And, you know, there are ways to to get around that. And, and some of them are, are pretty simple.
0: So you, you mentioned that, um, you know, what it's going to do is make me look at a, an alternative. And I think that's a really big point on innovation because the markets that we've talked about where it's a lot are also markets where the players tend to move together. Right. So if airline A adds baggage fee, then all the other ones follow. Right. So they they kind of group they're like a mob mentality, innovation, which gives them some flexibility. Another place that you might see that, right, is if I'm the only player in a market that I may feel like I have some control. I don't want to name drop anyone, but there is a certain business social network who regularly comes up with new features. You know, people get them, excite them, play around with them, and once they kind of tighten them up, then they move that to a different level of which you have to pay an additional fee, Right. They keep packaging those things up and making you kind of move along. Um, but they're the only ones in that space. So I think there's some, there's some power in innovation, or the, the players who, who feel like they can do it and may do it more are where they have real market power as the solo provider or real market cohesion uh, in terms of sort of moving in and uh, mirroring each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, some of those things, and we, we talked about that. If, if we think about how you can, how you can mitigate your innovation sins, some of them do have to do with creating additional options. And so let's let's go back to that example of, of the airlines. And, you know, when I first saw it, I agreed with you. I thought, oh, this is, this is just horrible. I mean, now they're, now they're going to nickel and dime me for every little thing. And, of course, the first thing was food. There's no more meals on the airplanes. You have to buy everything. You get, you know, you maybe get free half can of Coke, and that's it. Uh, you know, you're begging for some peanuts. And I thought, as as I saw it, started to see what they were doing with the seats and and the difference in the seats. I thought, you know, this is the same thing they've always done uh, with first class and coach. And some people are willing to pay more for different amenities and as long as the experience is acceptable at the price point that you're selling it at. And, and airlines can be a challenge to use this example in an extended way because they're, everybody pays a different price for their seat. It's, it's a very complex pricing structure. So if we keep it very simple, though, and we think about what they're doing there, it, they're, they're charging extra to change behavior and to move people up and to um, offer those upsells, offer those additional benefits that somebody might want while still offering the same basic benefit of everybody who gets on that airplane is going to get to point B from point A. And it just matters if you're willing to pay a little more for an aisle seat or a little more leg room, or if you want to, in fact, you know, sit in the front of the plane and have a lovely meal and a very, very comfortable seat and, and all those benefits and perks, uh, even to the point of getting on the airplane first. You know, I want to get settled. And I want to make sure I can put my luggage up in the in the bin. All of those things that were differentiators. While initially I saw it the same way you did, I thought, you know, this is this is really what we talk about in our price class. And pragmatic too is create that that higher level experience and put a price on it. And then you've offered people that price that that price point, and they can choose to pay it or not. But the, the fundamental benefit that they're getting is still the same. And Another thing that we talk about in our price classes is is the concept of the freemium model, which sometimes does happen in these um, these social media sites where, you know, we all get to participate for free and we get some benefit out of being there for free. And while I think some of them and the one that perhaps you were referencing at this point might have priced itself um, into a market, I, I think that they've they've gone a little crazy, but if people are willing to pay those prices, that's fine. I'm getting the benefit I want with the freemium. And I know that, that they're getting their benefit out of me. So I, I know that um, one of the things that our professor price, Mark Stiving, says uh, is that if you're using something and it's free to you, then you are the product. And, you know, in some of those cases, that's true. Our, our information, our buying patterns, our, our travel patterns, all of those things, all of that data is in fact what we give up the price we pay in order to use something without actually giving somebody currency. And so I think, you know, that's a deal I'm willing to take. And if I choose to upgrade to their prices, at this point, I don't choose too many people do. I think that's okay. And we're, we're building new or more expensive versions, because there are features there that people are willing to pay for to differentiate themselves from the freemium model. And that is, is a legitimate exchange. Um, we may we may think, oh, you know what, I'm not going to pay that. But but if somebody is and somebody will, and we're happy with what we're getting in the freemium model, that's pretty good.
0: So the difference between that incentivation in your mind, though, is both the overt nature of it, right? It's very clear what they're doing. And really, it's just a segmentation, different different people who are willing to pay for it are going to pay for it. And it in it theoretically keeps the base model free in the case of some, or cheaper in the case of airlines, and then you pay for what matters to you. And it's not Sinovation because it's it's very clearly done. They're not pretending that they're saving the environment with these fees. They're saying, if you care about this feature, pay for these. this.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that's one of those things that you could even do rather than automatically charge these fees, particularly when, when it comes to Particularly when it comes to things like the, the the towels, or or when we go to the other the other fee the um, fee that they charge for resort fees or something, you know maybe this is another one of those things where you simply provide an upsell and here's a small bundle of benefits that you get if you are a a pink card holder versus a yellow card holder. I hesitate to say the word gold card or platinum. Right. Those are other people's cards. But I mean, you know, if you have a Fuchsia room key versus a Puce room key, you know, you get access to different things and, and therefore you pay a little more for that. And and giving the market the choice to, to purchase those upgrades, I think is is very logical and very fair. And I think the market understands that where when you just slap a fee on a, a bundle of things they may or may not care about. If you haven't just rolled that into your price, then you're, you've opened yourself up for these bad feelings. And, and it's so avoidable to, to do it one way or the other. Either roll it in, and, and it's part of being at that, at that hotel or at that resort, or there are options, and you can purchase those options, and they're part of your personalized experience. Uh, boy, a company that's excellent, that is Disney. When you think about all the different ways you can go to Disney World, um, all the different options you have from, from character breakfasts to photographs to different hotels and, and dining experiences. If you want a, a budget experience because that's what you can afford or that's what you choose, it's there. If you want something that's just in, you know, everything you've ever dreamed of and every different kind of add-on, you can get that too. But you're not paying for it automatically.
0: Well, that makes sense because the things that we talked about before that drives innovation, right, needing to save money, uh, needing to rate prices and those kind of things you need to do as a business but it's how you present them and how you sell them quote unquote to the market or explain them to the market that makes such a big difference so we talked about the example of the company that adds 15 new features and raises everybody's price what you're saying is well that's somewhat disingenuous because I may not care about those features but if you keep the base price the same and you sell those as add-ons then the people who care about them will pay for it and in fact may pay Way more than I would have, than you could have forced me to pay because their value in those features is so much bigger.
1: Exactly. Well, and it's, there's two great things about that, Rebecca. One of them is that you haven't tried to do a innovation upgrade on your customers. You've offered them a bundle of features that, based on your your market research and your persona creation, there's there's a certain definite persona that will want this group of features, and so you've not only you've not only exited the realm of, oh, we've got, to, we've got to raise our prices 3%. What are we going to cram in here to make that look like we did it for them? You flipped that whole mindset around to, here's what our market is looking for. And here's where we can make the most money. Let's go there. I mean, that's it, it's not innovation to go out and try to make money in the market. That's why businesses are in business. So that's perfectly legitimate to do. It's just you have to give them the value for it. And it has to be legitimate value, sincerely delivered to a segment you think wants it. And, and I think that's the big difference. And when you start talking about the protection of the environment by offering us the option to leave our towels on the floor, this may or may not be how some people would solve the, the problem there. But I would say, as an organization, just pick. You're either for this or you're not. And position yourselves. As, as a company that, you know, this is what we do. We change our towels and sheets every three days. We're going to give you large dispensers of shampoos or conditioners, or we're not going to have it at all. And if you want to go back and, and offer an upgrade for all of those things, you can, but you could also say, you know, we, we believe enough in this particular cause that this is the way we roll. And that's mm-hmm. an acceptable way to go too. Um There will be people who may not use your product, but if this is truly something you believe, rather than commit this innovation of halfway doing it and, and, you know, again, making it look like you're trying to do that when, you know, maybe the message you're sending is that you're not. You're really just trying to save money. If you truly believe in this cause, go for it. You can always offer an upgrade um, if you feel that that's necessary, but if if it's something you truly believe in and, and you're committed to this, uh, and you believe there's a market you can serve, then go for it.
0: So you don't ask, you don't cage it as green. You just say, look, we're changing the towels every three days, and your sheets every three days of a stay, or anytime we have a new person. Period. Yeah, yeah.
1: Period. This is what we do. Rather than saying, you know, for your convenience, we've in in a B two B situation, we've added a donation to a, a charity. This is part of who we are and what we do, and we, we do that, and, and wherever that that comes into our, our cost structure or our anticipation of pricing strategy, this is part of who we are. And if you want to share that with the market, there are always pros and cons to doing that and, and to doing that in a strong way or a a um, you know, secondary way. But if, if this is something you plan on doing as part of your strategy, then then do it. Um, go for it. And and if, if you want to offer the option, then offer it as an upgrade rather than, a sacrifice or a downgrade.
0: So I have a question for you, Diane, and I don't know the answer. So have you ever, uh, in any of your previous roles, done a innovation that you regretted afterwards, or maybe you were going down that road and you changed it last second?
1: Absolutely, and and I hate to say it, but more than once I was involved in that uh, reverse-engineered benefit statement. We have to get a 3% increase out of this product. How are we going to do it? What features can we cram in and say they're worth that money without ever considering what the buyer truly thought? I was involved in that two or three times, and it went just about as well as you'd always expect it to go. Uh, We rolled it out. We rolled out a price increase, and sales negotiated that price increase away because there was no new value for the customer. And what we found was that we did not achieve any new revenue from it at all or, or a negligible amount. And, you know, that's one of those lessons you you should learn after once, and I think it took me three times to really identify it and say, you know what, this is part of sinovation. That's This is wrong, and it, it doesn't do any good.
0: I could see that. You think you're going to get a, an increase, and all you do is slow down the sales process because they're spending more time negotiating those same fees back out.
1: Exactly what happened.
0: Yeah. All right, Diane, this was great. We talked about a bunch of stuff today. If you were gonna give them people one point about synnovation, maybe one trick they can use to see am I doing this? Is this a, a real innovation? Is this a real message or am I committing this innovation? What would it what would you say? It would be like any other sin if you will.
1: If you'd be ashamed to have your grandmother know about it, don't.
0: Excellent. Always good advice, right? All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Diane. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Oh, pleasure's all mine, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on. Don't worry if you've done this before, right? We can all confess our sins and move on, work on fixing them. And uh, don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company.